Welcome to Authority Issues, a podcast about leadership, management, and wondering just what I've gotten myself into in general. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> I'm With Rachel that Perkins. Sound, I don't know where that sound came from, but it was somehow <laughs> perfect to go alongside of it. <laughs> that was my, uh, my, I got a text message noise on my phone. I'm sorry. I almost never get text messages, so why would that interrupt us? Ever? No, it's good. It's good. Keep anyway, going. <laughs> I'm Rachel Perkins, aka Pie or Pie Bob. I'm into words, operations, cheese, and whiskey, and of course, leadership. And I'm Kendall Miller, reminded today that no matter how long you work in a job, sometimes things come along that are just miserable no matter how you slice it, and it's okay to be humid, human and be <laughs> bothered as hell about it. You can be humid it, too. If You uh, can be moist. Moist is such a great word. Oh man, gosh. Well, today on the show, we're going to be talking all about why money is all that matters. Mm -hmm. uh, nothing else is important and how people choose jobs with that as a mindset. But first- and That's it. That's it. That's all we're- That's it. Yeah. That's, that's, well, we're going to say that and then we're just going to move on. But first, uh, Rachel, <laughs> how are you doing? I'm doing okay. Uh, and you know, on the topic of money, I bought something really awesome recently. Uh, I, I got into sewing maybe a couple months ago, maybe a little bit less. Okay. Yeah. It's always something that I have been wanting to do. And as a plus size person, it's always hard for me to find clothes or find things that fit me right. So I started to sew and uh, I skipped right to the easy part and I bought a serger. I don't know if you know what a serger is. I have no idea. No, you're going to have to describe that. I assume it's the same thing as a swinger. It's just a, the, oh, the brand yeah. of a normal sewing machine. Is that? No, I have a no swinger. idea. <laughs> yeah, I do have a swinger sewing machine, actually. Uh, well, like if you look at the inside of your t-shirt edge, there's like yeah. the edge of the fabric has uh, a line along it that is like keeping it from fraying. Yes. As well as the thing that's stitching it down. The the thing that is wrapping around the end of your fabric, that's what a serger does. And so it's it's, it's sort a magical of this like, machine. It's sort of this like back and forth double threading to keep the thing from but you could you could do that with a normal sewing machine. It's just that this makes it easier somehow. You no, no. The normal. normal sewing machine can't do that. If you want to do something that is kind of similar with a normal sewing machine, you use some use a zigzag stitch, but that takes a lot of paying attention to the edge of the fabric and where you are. And sewing a straight line is actually harder than you think. Um, but so I bought the serger because I read a lot. I read a lot on the internet. I'm on the internet a lot. Who knew? Um, and most people are saying, you know, I wished I'd gotten a serger sooner. So I was like, fine, yeah. I'm going to listen to all these people. And I'm going to, you know, splurge the 250 bucks or whatever it was. And I bought a serger. And it is amazing because it makes everything really easy to finish. You don't have to worry about anything fraying. And something that I did yesterday is I made a pair of pants over the weekend. Yeah. And that was cool. But they were way too big in the waist. And I'm just getting started. So I don't know how to adjust patterns yet. I'm like, I'm is there elastic there. in the waist there? Is, there is elastic is it, in the waist okay. in the so back. You're sewing elastic in too. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so instead of like taking it all apart, it did a total hack on the back of these pants, and I just surged the seam down the middle to make it narrower. Okay. But I, now do you have then, something that gives you like a nice little butt floss that goes right down the back? When, when <laughs> totally, you say the seam, exactly. no, that's not how. Or yes. <laughs> Maybe both. Uh, Maybe both. Yeah. Uh, but I've just, I was psyched. I went into my sewing room. I took off my pants. I put them in the serger. I did this thing and then I put them back on and they fit. And it was like, I, I had, I, I had a I like that, 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 that assumed in this is that you were wearing pants when you went in I'm there. I'm wearing the pants all. that I made. I mean, yes. <laughs> still, but like we work from home, so you didn't have to be. And it's, it's, it's good that you clarified that you went in. I do and, not yeah. know okay. if I'm wearing pants right this minute. Um, so so you took them off, you put them in the serger. Yeah, and, and I, I did this awful hack on them by just surging. Because the serger, in addition to making that hem, that tidy hem, it cuts the fabric. I think that's an okay. important point to make. It before. cuts it as it goes. Yeah, so you get this oh. nice clean edge, cuts it off, okay. and it heals it, basically. Surges okay. these two edges together, and I cut right through the elastic. I cut through everything. <laughs> And it was really kind of amazing. Like it's a terrible hack. I, it's not what people would normally do who actually know how to sew. But I made the pants fit like immediately. Well, and what's what? So okay. So before you were doing a serger, what would you have done in this situation? You would have had to basically throw them out and start over again. No, but it would have been a lot fussier. And I mean, if I were going to do this right, I would have done the hard way. Like unpick a bunch of seams, take out the elastic, yeah. 
make a cut so that they're narrower. Like I kind of took a real shortcut, literally took a shortcut through the back of my pants. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, it's like, it's just a Reiner thing, but it it just made me feel so like in control of something, I guess. I was just so chuffed that it worked and I wore my pants yesterday. Worth every penny of the $250 that you put into a sewing thing. Hell yeah. So wait, what's the next toy? Do you already know what the next three toys are that you have to have for sewing? Like, is there obvious other, you know, somebody, somebody that is going to do this really, really deeply as a hobby is going to have 20 machines and one's going to be a sewing Mm -hmm. machine and number two is going to be a serger. But what are the next three? Is it, is it already obvious to you? There's a there's another kind of machine that does the does a stitching at the edge of t-shirts in particular, a knit fabric that you can get. I think it's called is that an overlock machine or it might be it's it it puts down two two hems or two lines of okay. stitching instead of one. I don't I don't know if I'll get to that. I can't I mean two machines on the table is already kind of a lot. <laughs> and I'm moving yeah. them back and forth because when you're making a pattern, when you're when you're making a piece of clothing from a pattern, you're often using both the serger and the regular yeah. sewing machine. So I've got them set up so I can like move one out of the way and pull the other one forward, which feels pretty cool. Gotcha. But uh, yeah. yeah, I don't know. I don't know. But uh, having money is nice because I was able to create that feeling for myself of having some control over the universe, over my experience in it. Just you Well, know, I mean, the other way to have... Well, the other way to have control is to go out and spend the money on the clothes that do fit, that already are the right size, that are already, you know, all those things, yeah. but that requires As a skinny white man, you have that option, Kendall. As, as <laughs> I have 60 inch hips, man. I do not, it, it is not easy for me to find clothes that fit me well. <laughs> so I had a, I mean I had a friend in college who had like size 17 shoes and he said he could really only buy army boots because oh. it was the only thing they made uh that fit him unless he got something special ordered and it always took like six months and cost a fortune so um yeah. so I get it I mean I'm I, I, I can't relate but I can understand um mm-hmm. and so congratulations that's yeah. good you, I, so yeah. my my relevant semi-relevant to this story um <laughs> I, my, one of my hobbies is biking, uh, which, you mm-hmm. know, I, I, I bike a lot. Uh, I like to bike primarily to get around. I do like go for bike rides to just go for a bike ride, but primarily I'm biking to get places. Uh, I like that it, it allows me to, uh, eat very, very poorly and stay reasonably in shape. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and, uh, <laughs> well, I had a physical recently and the, the doctor was like, how do you eat? And I was like, oh, I think better than probably 90% of Americans. And she's like, really tell me about it. And I start talking and I was like, yeah, okay. So worse than probably 80% of Americans. Uh, I eat a very healthy breakfast and a very healthy dinner. And I eat like shit almost every single lunch every day because I'm almost always meeting people out. That's how I stay sane mm-hmm. is I, I go meet somebody. And and a lot of that's work related or whatever. But anyways, um, so I'm, I bike a lot. And uh, the way that I'm wired, I like to get the most out of the least possible like the the simplest possible bike so when it comes to biking i want to spend almost nothing on a bike and use it just every bit as much as somebody would you know i okay how, how do i say this the the um sense of superiority that i re- get when i pedal on a 85 dollar bike past someone on a $3,000 or $30,000 bike, because yes, those exist. Uh, and I just fly by them. How many cars can you like, buy? Well, you could, there's, a, there's a lot of people who, yeah, like, you could if buy you're multiple really cars into and... this. Yes, yes. So I got a bike for much too cheap. It's like a $500 bike that I'd wanted for a long time. I ride fixed gears, and a $500 fixed gear is actually a reasonably expensive fixed gear. Now, you can easily buy $1,000, $2,000 fixed gear bikes, but this is a it's, it's a nice step up from the bottom of the lines. And I got it for $85 used off of Craigslist. I realized on my way home from buying this that like, maybe this is stolen because it probably shouldn't be this cheap. And I like called the police, the police station in the part of town that I bought it. And I was like, is there a reported bike that's stolen? And they're like, we don't have that information. And I was like, well, now I feel good about it. So thank you. Uh, and uh <laughs> 
anyways, uh, so I have this bike and it's an, it cost me 85 bucks and I've put new wheels on it and I've changed the handlebars a handful of times and I've put a different seat on it. And I, I've changed a whole bunch of things about it. So it's, it's cost me a little bit more, but I, I even the, those parts I tend to buy at a used co-op. And anyways, my point is I have this cheap as fuck bike and I and love this bike. By. Yeah. Well, I've been working on it for forever. I've been I've been working on making it just the way I like, and that's trying new things, and that's switching pieces out, and that's buying something off Reddit or buying something from the co-op. Anyways, two nights ago, I have a dream that is very vivid that this bike gets stolen. And in my dream, I think to myself, you know, I only spend $85 on a bike just so I can feel like it's no big deal to lose this thing. And then for the next 40 minutes of my dream, I have no idea how long it was. It felt like forever in my dream. I'm like, no, but I'm devastated because I've worked so hard to make this exactly <laughs> the bike that I want it to be. And like, I'm going to have to start over again and I can't buy one that's built like this and I'm going to have to put all the different pieces on it. Anyways, my point being, when it comes to money and spending money on things that really, really, really bring me joy, particularly on the hobby side, um, I have to, I have all these weird circuitous routes that I go through because for me, not spending the money is almost as much of a priority as having the thing. And uh, I don't want my shit to own me. So if I, you know, I went out to dinner recently with my parents and they ride these very fancy fold up electric bikes. Uh, and that's, they were living out of an RV for a while. They needed something they could put in their RV. Mm -hmm. It made sense to have this very specific thing. Um, and uh, I'm getting messages in the back. The thing that I may or may not have been subtweeting at the beginning of this, where I was saying some things are just really hard. I'm getting messages in the background and I need to just uh, close Are you Slack. okay? <laughs> uh, yeah. And I'm like trying to not have an emotional response to like, leave me alone. I'm very bitter about a thing that's happening right deep now. Breaths, deep uh, breaths. It's okay. Yeah, it'll be fine. Anyways, um, where was I going with that? So, so spending You're very fine. little on it is 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 part of what brings me joy because when I see my parents go out on these very expensive bikes and get somewhere, and my dad has to carry a backpack just to carry the locking mechanism that's fancy enough to go through all the right places so that he can lock this bike down and not worry about it when he's in a restaurant. And I want to be able to lock my bike up with a cheap-ass lock downtown Denver where bikes get stolen all the time and go inside and not worry about it. And I don't want my shit to own me. So I like spending very little because even like I buy a really nice shirt once in a while. But I smoke a pipe. And so I drop some ash on it get a hole in it. And I'm like, why did I spend money on this, right? Like I mm – -hmm. anyways. Uh, I have a complicated, very complicated relationship with money. It sounds um, like with stuff. with So you don't want your things to own you. I don't want my things to own me and and my things own me very quickly unless I'm intentional about not buy, buying the nice things uh, for sure. But I mean, are you sure? Because you, you're really attached to that bike. You know, you dreamed about losing it and you, you oh, yeah, spent only 85 bucks. It's but a it's failure a for me. It definitely owns me a little bit, but I, but, but, but if it gets stolen, what am I out? I'm out maybe 120 bucks. Uh, so like I can replace all those pieces. Now it's the time that's going to be annoying mm -hmm. as hell to replace, but I'm not like out lots and lots of money. If I walk out of a restaurant and this bike's stolen at this point, it's brought me years of joy. And, uh, even just if I think about how many miles, I mean, I think I looked the other day, I've ridden almost 2000 miles uh, this year. And like, um, just the gas I've even driven that far. Paid that, <laughs> paid that bike off. Yeah, well, that's that's the thing. So I haven't gone anywhere um, there. So, you know, yeah, well, <laughs> you know, there's, there's some global things going on that may or may not be uh, stay unspoken on this podcast today. Right. But, uh, We're really not to I don't know what those things are. But uh, yeah, anyway. <laughs> well, so so let's let's pivot a little bit, and I'll set the stage for what I wanted to talk about mm -hmm. with this "money is all that matters" topic. Yes, Kendall, um, what did you want to talk to me about? Yeah, well, so this is a thing that I've really been chewing on a lot, and it's it's been the topic of conversations. I had a very interesting conversation with a guy about it yesterday, who's asking me like, "Why do I work where I work? Am I making an impact? Does it matter? Why do I make this much money? I hate that I'm a landlord. It's a good investment, but should I be making money?" On off of where somebody else lives and you know talk about like crisis of identity stuff right mm -hmm. which like i think it's, it's 
Well, yeah, are we the baddies? Oh man, that is like the best video. And that I didn't know about until a couple of years ago when somebody shared it with me. Go look up our, am I, are we the baddies or whatever. I don't know what the, it's something like that. Uh, if you haven't seen that video because it's very entertaining. But um, recently I was having conversations with a couple of friends of mine. One in particular stands out uh, more than the others in that uh, he was a part of a very small startup. He worked his ass off all the way through the startup. It was acquired by a very large organization that is well known and pays very well. And his payout at this company is so substantial that he can't ever leave. And he genuinely believes in the bottom of his heart he can't ever leave, right? Uh, there's um, like, how, how do I walk away from something that pays me this much money? And I have so much flexibility that I can do the hobbies and the things that I want to on the side. And I don't have to, you know, I think at, at one point, uh, this person said to me, if I show up and give four hours of work a week, I'm one of the most productive people around. And uh, I hate that. I hate that I work at a place where mediocrity isn't just the norm, it's the exception or it's the expectation. And, mm -hmm. um, and when I talk to him about it, I'm like, but you actually do love this industry and you like writing code and you're good at it and you could go somewhere and make half as much money or honestly, you could go other places and make the same amount of money, but actually do something you're fulfilled in and happy with and like, why are you holding on to this? And I think some of it is this sort of false promise around, well, I'm going to be able to retire earlier if I do this, right? Mm -hmm. And um, <laughs> this is and the reason familiar. that I, oh yeah, well, <laughs> yeah, well, so we got to get to that. So the reason that I said, you know, in in particular, money is all that matters. Is where I was having a conversation with this person and someone else who said, hey, I'm in this spot where. You know, it makes sense to simply, for the most part, rest and vest. And turns to this guy and says, I know you're in this spot. Tell me how you do it. And he kind of sarcastically says, every day when you go to bed, you need to lay in bed before you fall asleep and say out loud, money is all that matters. Money is all that matters. Money <laughs> is all that matters. And then you'll feel a little bit better about the fact that you've made these decisions in your life as though money is all that matters, even though we all know that's not true. Mm -hmm. So that's that's the, um, the 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 first place I want to go, and I'm curious. First of all, if you've met people like this, if you know, do you, do you agree with that? Uh, I don't think you agree with that premise that money is all that matters. But like, you know, how do you think about this? How have you wrestled with this problem? I do, and I I I, I don't think that money is all that matters, uh, but I do think that money makes a lot of things easier. Um, and we did have a brief conversation sure. about this too, and. Um, <laughs> what that guy was talking about, like a lying in bed saying money is all that matters to try and convince yourself. Sounds like a movie, like a Robert Downey Jr. movie for some reason. Um, I don't, I, I, I am a little older than you, Kendall, and I came from Gen X and yep. a lot of a, a lot of what was pounded into the minds and hearts of folks who grew up in my generation. I love, I feel so old saying my generation. <laughs> But you know what you I mean. You know that there's boomers and then millennials and nothing in between. Not right? everyone like, forgets about we've us. We've the generally, Gen X. Uh, yeah, right. we've generally just agreed as society that Gen X yeah. doesn't actually exist. We didn't Anyways, exist. keep going. But like literally along those lines, we many people in Gen X were raised to just understand that nobody was going to take care of us when we got older. Uh, yeah. The government was not going to take care of us. Social security was not ever going to stick around. We're not going to be. We're going to have to look out for ourselves. Yeah. And the fact that the future is turning into a clusterfuck and that it's not. Wait, is the future turning into a clusterfuck? Or it, it's are we happening just right older? now. Well, but like, I mean, our, the, the last generation was like, oh, my God, we're all going to die from a nuclear disaster. Right. Like, I mean, it's it's been pretty bleak kind of for a while. Right. Like, we're just well, you're, you're sort of optimistic yeah. when you're young. And anyways, keep going. But I mean, in terms of like having having your needs met, having a comfortable dotage. I guess is yeah. what I'm talking about. I have spent my entire life thinking I better sock away money for the future because I don't know what's going to happen. Right. I don't know uh, if I'm good, if insurance is still going to be a thing. I don't know if sure. uh, I will be able to afford to, you know, take care of myself. And you hear horrible stories about old people dying in homes alone without any, you know, 
without any anybody taking care of them, without any money to take care of them. Uh, those things terrify me. Uh, yeah. Like lack of dignity in death and in, 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 in old age, that stuff is really scary to me. So uh -huh. that's where my like ongoing drive towards, well, I got to make money because I got to put it away so I have it sure. in case I need it. Like sure. spending money is fun and I don't have a ton of trouble spending money, but it, it's not, <laughs> uh, I, I, but, I still, I worry about like, well, do I still have enough set aside for the emergency for the end of my life for, you know, when me and my husband are in our eighties, you know, hopefully we live so long, but like, right. that's where but it how, comes from for me. Well, so, so I get that. And, and, and I, I've got four kids. I mean, you know, a big drive for me is like, I need to have enough to, to provide for my kids. And, um, yeah. you know, I honestly I, think I, that's one of the reasons I didn't have kids. It, I mean, I, I took care of a lot of kids when I was younger and I got enough experience raising my brothers to know that I didn't want kids, but it's a huge responsibility. And it's I, a like, responsibility. I able it's, to it's, take it's, care of my own self, you know? Well, so, so how much is enough? That's my right. question. You know, you, you said like, I need to have enough and, and are you there? Like, I, I bet, I bet that right now you have more money put away than, than 20 or maybe even 30 year old Rachel thought was ever going to be oh, possible. And if, if you went literally. back and said, yeah, and if you went back and said, yeah. you're going to have this much money, you'd be like, fuck yeah, retiring bitch. Right. Like, well, I, mean, I what's... still, I occasionally have that moment now. I'm like, oh yeah, what the hell am I doing still working? And that, that is yeah. the question, right? I have a job right now. I'm part-time. My last yep. couple of gigs have been part-time because I want to have, I want to be retired. I yep. want to have time to do other things that actually matter more in the world, right? I, I, I am not going to pretend that working in the software industry is changing the world in a way that matters to me. Yeah. Uh, you know, like I have fun. I wouldn't do it if it wasn't fun, but, uh, but yeah, I, I have, I have the job because I want to, uh, to have health insurance. Like I have, but and I have reasons so, like that, which are not very exciting, but it's kind of like the money is all that matters. But let's say, so, you know, I, I heard a, a thing forever ago that they, they did this big study, they being the proverbial they, that I have no idea if this is an actual study <laughs> that exists they? or actually happened, but it's a thing I heard. And so it must be true. I didn't even read it on the internet. Uh, the, uh, <laughs> that, that, that there was this study done where they went and asked people from all kinds of income brackets, you know, uh, $5 an hour up to, you know, 300 grand a year or higher or whatever, and said, um, how much money do you make? And is it enough? And how much would be enough? And didn't matter what income bracket they were in, they said it's not enough. And enough would be twice as much as I make now. And, uh, you know, so if it's 30 grand, well, 60 grand would be enough. If it's 60 grand, well, 120 grand would be enough. I mean, there is some amount of like, we never get there. And one of the things I wrestle with is like, even if I made all the money in the world, right? Like there's, uh, what was the deal that was just announced? Uh, MailChimp, right? $12 billion and the founders <laughs> are walking away. sharing the profits. And, uh, well, so there's, there's all kinds of money. Money is all that matters. Uh, mm -hmm. it, 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 definitely your employees don't. Uh, I, I have thoughts on that separately, mm -hmm. but like, say, say I cash out and I'm one of two founders. I don't know how many there were. And I, and I walk away with $6 billion. It's pretty hard to argue that's not enough, right? So I'm, right. I'm picking an extreme example, but if I have enough, then what am I going to do? And I, and I think about that a lot. Like what would I actually do? And I think that the reality is I'd probably take three months off. There's a couple of trails I've wanted to bike or hike or places I've wanted to go vacation. And I would go do all those things. And then I'd probably be like, you know, I really like doing this board. thing and leadership yeah. and tech organizations. And do I go back and do that? And like, yeah. Rachel's doing the podcast without me. I don't know, man. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, so, so there's some amount of that, like, like how much, uh, you know, what would you do if you had all that, like, so, you, you say you have enough, say you don't have enough either way. And, uh, and you, you have health insurance. Would you completely stop working or, or is this, you know, I mean, work provides some social benefit to us in terms of like, it, I feel like I have meaning in life. I think I agree. And that is one of the reasons I was literally talking about this with my neighbors. Uh, we actually had them on the deck for a happy hour for the first time ever. And I've lived in this neighborhood for over a year now. Um, but one of the things that, uh, and I think this matters to me less than it did when I was younger. Like work is is was was a lot more of my social circle when I was younger, sure. uh, when I was in my 30s and in my early 40s and whatnot. Um, and I 
I, I it's nice to have a thing that I'm doing to talk about to other people. Yep. But definitely having moved to this semi remote place and not really interacting with those people in other than online. Uh, and, and just having, you know, I'm, I'm older, I'm married, I have my hobbies, I, I, uh, I don't really have a lot of bandwidth for more people. Sure. So it, it is, uh, it's different now what I get out of interacting with my colleagues, what I get out of, um, you know, having yeah. an opinion on whatever current tech thing is happening and what's observability, you know, those kinds of things. Like, do we even give a shit? Do I, should I even give a shit what observability is at this point? Um, but it's still, it's still mentally stimulating to have to come up with discussions to have on these things. So let me ask this then, are you content at work or, or, or maybe, yeah, I mean, at work, at, I know you also volunteer uh, for a, you know, uh, a non political activist, nonprofit yeah. thing. Um, are you content? Hmm, that is a great question. I don't think I'm content right now. I think I'm spending too much time actually doing things that don't matter, like working for this day job that I don't actually need. Uh, I have, you know, moments of, of uh, satisfaction from doing that. Uh, I do a good job and sure. I contribute and I enjoy interacting with people that I work to, who, who are our customers, for example. But uh, I don't think I'm content. And I think that some of that comes from like, oh, I thought I would be more, you know, successful, whatever that means at this point. And I, mm -hmm. you know, I've never mm -hmm. been a, an executive in a company. It's something that I was initially but for a while thinking I would do. But you're on a board now, aren't you? I well, mean, like, yeah. isn't that sort of another level even above? Like, there's an, every executive I know is like, this is a fucking rat race. I want to be on sitting on boards, right? Like, yeah, it's true. It's true. Uh, those things I want to focus on more actually, and rather than yeah. um, trying to get up through the, the, I mean, what about you? Do you, do you have a plan for further future? Is there, well, I you, think are you satisfied? Are you content? I think what the part of the reason I asked that is uh, it, it's, it's, so my journey, you know, to back up a little bit, my journey, uh, wow, Christianese much. I, I hate it <laughs> when people say those words, it drives me crazy. Um, but uh, you know, my, like, like, when I graduated from college, I went and worked for a religious nonprofit for 10 years. I believed in what I was doing. I, I regularly told myself, like, I'm never going to have the big house. I'm never going to go on the luxurious vacations. I have chosen this lifestyle. And the sacrifices of those things are, in my opinion, worth it because I believe in what I'm doing. I like it. I'm good at it. I'm, you know, I, I'm never going to get a raise, basically, right? Like, I know that I'm going to get cost of living adjustments, and that is it. Uh, and, you know, I can a little bit as my family grows, those kinds of things. But, like, uh, we're talking about a very small amount of money that I made and very small bumps along the way. And I was profoundly content because I loved what I was doing. There was opportunity for new and different places. I had enough respect in this very large, you know, 25,000 person worldwide organization that I could probably go just about anywhere I wanted to in the organization if I really put my foot down and said, hey, I want to go do X, Y, or Z because I had earned that uh, respect in the organization. And, and I was... I had the opportunity to change occasionally. I was leading teams at the level that I liked leading. I had actually stepped down once in leadership, right? Like, but I, like I was where I wanted to be doing the things I wanted to be doing. And so what what's, well, so, so it's time to move back to America and I didn't want to work for that nonprofit in the States because I don't like the way it works in the States. Um, oh. And uh, I, I did consider it. I went and looked and talked to the people who were in leadership in the organizations in the States. And, and I was like, no, I'm good. Uh, and, uh, you know, end up, end up in for-profit. And, and when I came into this job, I had very low expectations, right? I mean, I have four kids and I was like, if I can make 60 grand, I can probably put enough, you know, food in everybody's mouth. Like we, we were literally at the poverty line and, and qualified for food stamps, which I didn't know about until years later. Um, but like, uh, the, I was content with what I was getting because it was more than I expected. And then as things grew, and I've had a lot of career progression at this organization, mm -hmm. and um, you know, there was there was something more to look forward to or some next step that was exciting. So I was happy with where I was, I was happy with the progress I made, and there was something more. Well, now at some point, you know, I was running the organization, and when you're 
at the head of the organization, there isn't any place to go up. And, um, you know, I moved sort of down and to the left and it, when I went from acting CEO to president, right. And it's, it's this weird, like, I don't, I'm not dying to go back and be CEO. I, in fact, I'd probably be thrilled to never do that again. Like there, there may be opportunity. It may be the perfect opportunity. Maybe I'll take it, but it's not like on my bucket list to, to go do that. And so, you know, when I think about what are the things that I want right now in life and there's things like, it'd be really fun to move my family to Europe and go have a different adventure. You know, like uh, part of it is I get twitchy and have wanderlust and like trying new places, mm -hmm. but like, is it, is it, is it, am I discontent with the money? No. Am I discontent with what I do? No, I actually really like what I do. I feel like, yeah, I'm in a for-profit tech business. I'm, am I changing the world? No, but I feel like I'm providing a, uh, an environment for people to work and people need to work that, that I'm proud of. Job creator. Um, yeah. I mean, I think like, I think we make a pretty delightful place to work with pretty delightful people that we enjoy working with. And we make mistakes along the way and do wrong by people sometimes. But I think we, we work really hard to not do that. And mm -hmm. uh, for the most part, try to write things when we mess them up. But um, so I, I have a lot to be content with in that. And, uh, but it's interesting when I think about the contentness versus like, like, okay, if, 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 boss came to me tomorrow and doubled my salary. There's How probably some change? amount of like, yeah, you, you probably get some amount of like, oh, I'm just content because this is so ridiculous for another like year or two. And then you're kind of like, okay, well, that's not that exciting anymore. I'm used to that. Same with like when your title changes, same with when you go do new different things. Like, um, so I feel like there's almost this, you have to have both something you're content in now and a future, right? Something you, you know, you want, what are you longing for? What's the, what's your hope or whatever it's going to be mm -hmm. um, for what's coming. And I feel like really contentness requires both some perspective on where you've come from, but also perspective on where you could be going or what's next. And it's interesting because uh, I don't think most people consider contentedness as anything to do with the future. It's, it's all about right now. Are you content with what you have, not about what's going to happen? Well, and I also wonder how much I'm twitchy given, you know, the fact that I, I've lived here now in the same place in Denver for five years. It's the longest I've lived anywhere since the first <laughs> time I lived in Denver when I was 10 years old. Uh, uh -huh. And like, I'm used to change. And so part of it is just wired into me. And, and I, I, I do look at like friends of mine. I have a good friend who I went to high school with. His life dream was to grow up and own a home in the in the, the the city we grew up in. And that was it. And he got there and he's like, this is it. This is what I wanted. I will pay off this 30-year mortgage. I will make just enough money to get by. And this is my dream. And mm -hmm. I'm jealous of that because it's not you obvious feel to that me that way. there's... Well, it's not obvious to me that there's anything that would make me feel that way. Mm, uh, yeah. You okay. Know, I, I wish that I had a dream that was like that. And maybe I have like killer ambition that, that makes me constantly in you know, miscontent, malcontent, discontent. What's the word? But you don't want to, yeah, you want, you don't want to become a CEO again, necessarily. Uh, not just not necessarily. I don't, are I don't you really just looking for change? You're so is it, is it money change or is it something else? Like you like to travel, right? Yeah. I think some of it is just, um, I mean, I really like my job and I'm, and I feel like I'm good at it and I have a good spot in the organization. So I don't, I don't know that I need to change my role. I don't think that I need to change the company. Uh, for those of you who listen that are working with me, don't, don't, don't panic. No, but welcome like, but, welcome but, to but, therapy with Kendall and Rachel. That's, yeah. that's, that's right. Yeah. I don't think that I need those things, but I do, I do get twitchy and I'm like, Oh, you know what? What do I want? Like, do I need to buy a, a a fancy camper van and spend every weekend just up in the mountains because that would scratch an itch? Do I need to get on a plane and move to Europe because that would scratch an itch? I don't I don't know. And I, it's part of what I'm saying is like I even wish maybe I did you just know. need cortisone cream. You know, all those itchy. maybe I need to make half as much money because money is all that matters, or maybe not, and go do something that I just tremendously believe in. And I don't know. I'm I'm wondering mm -hmm. about that. But uh, this is what you call yeah. a midlife crisis, right? Like this is what I, it does. I, it does sound like you're kind of getting into the midlife crisis thing. Yeah, it does. So welcome, welcome to. <laughs> Goes well, on for a while, is, as far as I can so, tell. Yeah, right. Well, that's 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 what's interesting to me is I feel like just about everyone I know. It's it's uh, okay. One, I'm gonna make one more parallel here. I, I read this book once on hell that I think I've I've talked to you about. Uh, but this it's a it's a extended metaphor and basically. The description of hell is a place where everyone has 
everything that they've mm-hmm. ever wanted and everyone's miserable uh, because yeah, the, or- the one thing they don't have is happiness, right? They're just, they're not content. Uh, they want more and bigger and more and bigger. And, and in tech, we have this weird thing where we get paid enough money. We can have you, everything. You can, you can, have, a, you can have an expensive bottle of whiskey yeah. all the time. If that's I'm like the worst. My my husband, that he has this problem, you know, when it's like time to buy me a present. There's nothing that I ever, you know, if I want a thing, I buy it. Right. And so I, you know, completely give him a pass on trying to figure out what to buy me. Although he did buy me a pincushion recently and it was the perfect gift. Oh, is Isn't it? Wait, sweet? tell me, is it, is it just a normal pincushion or is it shaped oh, like no. a fancy? He actually bought is me two. A... He bought one that's shaped like a little pie that's like a, a purple pie oh, that has a little crisscross yeah. on it. And then he bought me one that's a little hedgehog ceramic base with the pins are the, the hedgehogs. Yeah. Pins. Super yeah. cute. Anyway, anyway. Yeah. Major well, aside. I... But like. <laughs> yeah. You can have <laughs> anything that you want. You can have anything you want. You want. Right. And And, I I don't know. That's nice. (laughs) Well, I mean, and there's some amount of like, well, you know what I, what I really want is I want to own all of Montana and like you, okay, you probably can't have that, but like within reason, you can have just about anything you want. Or even like if your goal is a big house and that is the one thing that matters to you, you make enough money in tech, you can go somewhere and have a big house. Maybe that's Kansas, uh, but you can not (laughs) bash on Kansas. Uh, Yes. (laughs) But uh, I just think it's interesting. Well, so so to take it back to the leadership side, I want to talk for a minute about that. Like, what do you provide for your people? And what do you, how do you talk to the people? Because I think there's people at work who are just happy to have a stable job that enables them to check out at five o'clock and mm-hmm. uh, go camping on the weekend. I think there totally are people, fine. right. I think there are people at work who don't care what they make as long as they're a part of something that's going to succeed or they can, you know, think of the number of people that, you know, that are like, I want to be able to say I was employee 10, right? If you're, if you were employee 50 at Google, that was exciting. And you get to tell Mm -hmm. people I was employee 50 at Google and you probably made a lot of money. Uh, But like what people want is just so different. And how do you keep that in mind and and provide satisfaction? If you're, if your employees are, you know, if you're having one-on-ones with your employees and they're willing to talk to you about those things, yeah. like some people aren't comfortable talking about money at all, right? It's, it's well, and sometimes when you have the, what do you want in your career? You have the person who's like, I will be the CEO of a Fortune 500 company by 37. And, and then I'm you like, also have the people who you, are like, sir. yeah, well, but then you, you also get the people who are like, you know what? I'm, I'm pretty happy just being here. Like, I, I want to do this as best as I can. And I will worry about that when I get there. And, yeah, uh, yeah. I've definitely had employees like that. And I have wondered, like, is it how much of a, my job is it to, determine if that's really true or if they just don't understand what career planning is about. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, I, I had this conversation with, uh, with someone in our company who was asking me and I was like, Hey, look, I'm pretty darn happy where I am. I want to do this as best as I can. I want to see it through as long as I can. And I want this thing to succeed. That's why I'm still here. And, uh, it's about what you're building. Right. And, and, okay. and part of that is, you know, what I did for 10 years in that nonprofit was my dream job. And I, I thought I was good at it and I thought it was fun and I delighted in it. So when I was 30, I had already accomplished everything I'd wanted you to accomplish. And I, yeah, I didn't really <laughs> know what else I wanted. Well, that's another thing. You, you, you see these like, uh, what's Michael Phelps is the swimmer, right? Who like, mm-hmm. you win a couple gold medals and you don't, you have a crisis of identity. My whole life I've strived for this thing and I, I got there. What the hell do I do now? Drugs for a while and then get your life back together and then go win a few more. But like, uh, yeah. I, I think that's the story. I'm sure I got some of that wrong. But, um, <laughs> I am not really sure. But it makes me think about like football players, people who put a lot of like beat down their bodies to make all that money to to be successful, right? They they literally pay with it, pay for it with their flesh. They get concussions and and the many of them like you, you they need financial planners to kind of get them a plan to oh, yeah. survive the rest of their lives. It's kind of what I think about. Like I, you know, I was employee number 60 at Splunk and yeah. Splunk is now extremely successful. And that was yeah. great for me. I worked there for nine years. You can imagine what the, um, the stock option situation was like lots of refreshes, but uh, I, the, the thought of the, you know, like I have that money and I'm setting most of it aside for the future uh, I wonder if it's kind of like that, where you're you only have a certain amount of time to spend your body on a thing, and then after right. that, do you do you, do you well, still have a, enough to survive? 
Is there something and, else you can one... do? Really interesting thing that uh, I so I had lunch yesterday with a guy who the way that I'm bleeding all over you in this conversation about like, oh, my God, what matters? Am I even doing anything that matters? Uh, <laughs> oh, okay, okay, am I happy? I don't even know. Right. Like, yeah. That, well, so I had this <laughs> lunch yesterday and uh, and and I really like this guy. I've just gotten to know him a little bit recently, but uh he kind of is bleeding all over me about this and like, man, you know, I was myself and my wife are both laid off in the pandemic and we're just fine because we work in tech and like, we're going to be fine. And, you know, and, and he has another job now and he's uh, having fun and likes what he's doing. And he said, you know, he read something that said, if you really want to create change in the world and you are a highly paid person, giving your money might create more change than quitting what yeah. you're doing and going and doing a thing. Now, are you going to be content giving your money? Is that going to bring you joy? I don't, I don't know. Uh, well, you have to. You have to be super introspective about that. Like, uh, yeah. one of <laughs> one of the things that changed my life back in my thirties was reading this Crucial's Conversations book. I keep bringing that book up. Like, normally I'm not really a big fan of yeah. you know self help bullshit, as I like to call it. Uh, although there's a ton of it that's out there that's actually really pretty good, and I'm just a, you know I'm just terrible, but. Uh, that book in particular set me up to think about my motivations for things. Like, why am I in this conversation is the motivation that you're in yeah. that particular context is but in order to have a successful outcome, in order to really be able to control to some degree where the conversation goes, you need to understand why, what it is you really want out of it. Why are you participating yep. in this conversation? So I feel the same way about a lot of other things. Which Why is, are you participating in this conversation, Richard? I'm well, sorry, I'm participating in this uh, conversation. That's an excellent question. Uh, Why the hell do I talk to this guy? Anyway, keep going. I'm sorry. I'm derailing, I mean, derailing. Back. The, the key being, you need to be honest with yourself about your motivations. You need to really dig into it. Not give yourself shit if you have, you know, motivations that are perhaps not the purest. Yeah. But understand them because then yeah. you can build from that. Why is yeah. it that I worry so much? Why is it that I want to, you know, continue to have a job and 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 have my health insurance paid for and have my, you know, my house payment paid for? Because, um, you know, even though we could be taking that money out of our investment account, I'd rather just leave that alone and keep working, even though I don't necessarily have to right now. What is it that is causing yeah. me to feel that way? And is it something stupid? <laughs> you know, is it something that was yeah. just beaten into me as a child because of the way my parents were or whatever? And those sorts of exercises I find helpful. And I, I wonder, did your, you know, the friend that you're talking to, do they really know whether, or you, the idea that you were saying, um, would you be satisfied just giving your money to charity or to right. political causes or whatever? And, and just, you know, not doing the, the work yourself like is it actually more noble to go and you know like tomorrow morning i'm gonna go to the food bank and i'm gonna go pick up stuff and deliver it to people because that's the thing that i do in my neighborhood but like is that really more noble than giving fifty thousand dollars to the food bank every year mm -hmm. yeah you put in your yeah. time at work doing that work and you got paid and that money went you know you did work to do that to get that money yeah is it different it feels different even it if it's not so more effective yeah. right yeah that's well, where you got to go. You got to think about that. Like, why is that yeah. different to you? And can you change it? And if you can't change it, that's okay. Go ahead and just make the food bank run. That's what I'm doing. And I'm like, okay, yeah. hopefully I'm doing both. Well, but I mean, I think that that's all part of it. And, and especially if you're taking the job away from somebody who doesn't have the same qualifications as you, and now they can't go do the work that is, you know, meaningful and hands-on when you could provide the money that allows them to do so. So them, I mean, yeah. there's, there's so many moving parts. And I think what's interesting about it is I just think money is messy. And when you have less of it, and when you don't have a promise for more, life's honestly easier. Take it from the guy who worked at a place where there wasn't promise of more and you didn't have very much of it. But like, you know, well, I wait, mean, wait, that said too, like- Wait, wait, wait. What? So you're saying it's easier to be poor. No, no, no. I'm saying, the, I'm saying that uh, having- no, I'm definitely not saying it's easier to be poor. Because oh, that's what it really that. sounded like. Uh, <laughs> I'm like, no, dude, I'm that is some privilege have, right there. <laughs> there is some messiness to, to working in an industry where everyone is paid like bankers. Like, it's just messy because you're just constantly, you, you, if you care about the world, you're constantly wrestling with, is this fair? Do I care? I'm just, I'm How do I? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, and I think that's what's interesting about our generation of, our generation 
about my generation, Rachel, uh, of tech workers is, uh, (laughs) I think, I think a huge percentage of them are sitting around and just constantly in a state of, is this good? Is this right? Is this what's good in the world? And like, I can have anything I want. Is that where I should be? Uh, And I think, you know, there's, Is there a, do I deserve this underneath all of that? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And so so back to the, well, back to the money is all that matters, right? I mean, what, 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 what do you do with yourself if you work in a place that requires four hours a week of focus? Maybe you go get a second job, right? There's that whole, all those people. There's a bunch of people who are Uh, doing that. Yeah. Yeah. But, uh. Uh, you know, maybe you spend all of your time on your hobbies and it fulfills you. But I, I know and I have seen the person who retires and just can't, their identity was so wrapped up in their work, they can't ever find happiness outside of it. And, I, and I've seen the person who retires and sits in their hot tub and sails and mm-hmm. is just happy as a clam. And that's the thing they always wanted and they got it. And, and I just really think it is hard and it's hard to know. And what is contentness? And I'm sure it's different for everyone. And yeah. Uh, yeah. I wish it was I'm easier for me. I'm trying to transit to there. I'm transiting yeah. from, like, I realize now that having having those relationships. Thanks to and, this therapy session. Thanks to yes. this particular podcast. Thank you. You weren't Kendall. realizing before, but go ahead. No, I'm <laughs> glad that I'm here for this. No, no, but like the, the idea that I used to really need to have a job and people to interact with at work. And that was my social outlet. And, you know, uh, yeah. all the ops people that I, you know, that I kind of play den mother too for lack of a better yep. term there's surely a better term than that apologies um but th- that i i i need that less i it's less of a big yeah. part of my life i'm trying to put down roots somewhere local i'm trying to live my life now in the physical location that i'm in and serving the members of my community that are present with me physically rather than trying to make connections cast my net wide across the internet which is how I've always socialized since I was a teenager. Yeah. Got on my first yeah. BBS and it was over. Like text yeah. chat is forever. Um, I'm trying really hard to move away from that. And I'm finding that the more I move away from it, the easier it gets. Uh, and the That's more satisfied I am with the, the conversations I'm having with my neighbors, you know, that kind of stuff. Yeah. So well, yeah, I, think, I think it's I a, think a back, slow process. Oh, I completely agree. And I think back to your point of... Um, is it easier to be poor? Like, I think we all know it's not. And that's part of what yeah. comes with, I think there's some guilt in, for a lot of people in tech. Mm-hmm. And that's what le- that's that's what they're wrestling with. And a lot of this is like, man, I make a lot of money. Why the fuck am I unhappy? And yeah, I think that that's the root I of so much deserve of deserve this money for the work. You know, the work is hard, but it's not hard like working in the fields hard. Those people should fucking right. make a lot more money than us. Yeah. You know, they feed yeah. us. But yeah. uh, like that, that kind of, and they, I think the idea that you were, you were kind of touching on earlier is like, it's, it's not easier to be poor, but it is simpler in a lot of ways in that you're focusing on survival. Right. Yeah. And yeah. I, I was very poor in college. I mean, I was in college and I was paying for my own college and I could only afford to eat once a day. And that was, uh-huh. you know, rough. Uh, but it was definitely easy to focus on, like, I'm going to get a job this summer. I'm going to get three jobs this summer. I'm going to pay for, mm-hmm. you know, like that was easier in some ways than making bigger decisions about whether I deserve what I have, whether I am spending my money in a way that is noble or whatever. Uh, those kinds of thought processes are definitely messier, <laughs> less yeah. simple. So maybe that's kind yeah. of what you meant. Well, and so I have to I have to figure out how to how to wrap some of this up as we come up on time. Oh but yeah, I mean, I think, running along. <laughs> like, well, I think first of all, people do wrestle with this. Like the you know, and I think it's common in tech. I think it's common amongst tech leaders. And like, what do you value? And is it providing a great place for people to work? Is it just making all the money in the world? And and sometimes at the expense of your family because you're working your ass off, or at the expense of the things you value and care about because you're not working at all and you're still making that much money. Like mm-hmm. I think it's. To your point, it's important to constantly be introspective about it and to to analyze what are my motivations? What do I want out of this? And, and let it be okay if your motivations That's are okay. kind of meh, you know, well, like- Everyone's like motivations stuff? are somewhat <laughs> shitty like in some places. Yeah, that's right. Well, you know what? Okay. Uh, exactly, I'm going I want to it to be safe for me to, sh- not, to shop. 
That's exactly right. That's exactly right. At some point, yeah. I'll buy a bike that costs more than eighty-five dollars. Uh, I don't know when. I don't know when. And you'll feel really point, weird about it, and we'll get on and we'll talk weird. it through. It'll be fine. Yeah. <laughs> we'll have another episode but, on that. Uh, uh, and, but I also wanted to. Like, you're talking about one of the things that you can can that can make your work in the tech industry worthwhile to you is making an environment that is easier and more pleasant for other people to work in. Yeah. And I, I do think that there's some level of, especially people who are in middle management have get a huge amount of stress out of, especially if they're in a larger company and they don't have a lot of influence on the business yeah. or you know, on their leadership, they're stuck in a position where they really want to be the good manager and make the world nice for their team. Uh, but perhaps they don't have the power to do that. And that's really stressful. I think that's a, yeah. that is an aspect well, of think... management that, that sucks. I mean, to that point, and, uh, you know, as the happy go lucky bubbly person at work, uh, there's some amount of, I hope that I can bring people along for a smile or a laugh at some point in their day. And, mm -hmm. you know, uh, bonus points if they're laughing with me, but, uh, you know, if not, I'll, I'll take laughing at me. Uh, and, <laughs> they're laughing uh, near you, know, near you. Ken. They're laughing near me, laughing near, yeah. honestly, the person who's laughing the most is, is probably me at my own jokes, uh, but that's okay. <laughs> Um, anyways, well, uh, let's wrap up with like a recommendation. Do you have a recommendation, Rachel? Go buy, uh, uh, the, the Hemming thing that I already forgot the name <laughs> a of. Serger. Um, a Serger. Go buy a Serger. Um, yeah. I was gonna, I, 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 we haven't done recommendations before and I totally put you on the spot, but I did just finish, uh, James Baldwin's, um, The Fire Next Time. And if you want a book that's going to challenge a lot of your thinking on race, religion, politics, money, uh, it's a pretty fascinating read. So I did the audio book because I have a hard time getting through very intense nonfiction. Uh, it, it puts me to sleep even when it's oh, really intense. I did not read any, I don't ever read anything, you know, like businessy or I, I don't read nonfiction very much. So my recommendation is I just read a, a, a two book series by, I think it's LX Beckett, LX Beckett called Game Changer and Deal Breaker. And those were, it was a, uh, near future sci-fi, near-ish future sci-fi. There's some pretty weird Great. stuff in it. Definitely recommend yeah. it. Kept my attention. Well, good. Well, thanks for talking, Rachel. Thank you for the therapy session. Uh, <laughs> You're welcome. And, uh, I'm always happy to talk to you, Kendall. We'll talk to y'all in two weeks. Bye.